Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to say better than ever because I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still battling some stuff over here. But damn it, man! After a uh, whoo, tumultuous few days, I need a distraction. I need to talk about some pro wrestling. I, I do apologize, even though I, I, I probably don't need to apologize for the fact that we haven't been on since last Tuesday. Had a lot of things going down uh, in uh, my personal life right now. I do appreciate all of the love, the support, the messages, everything that you guys have been sending. I have read them all, even though I, I, I can't even begin to respond to any of them right now. Um, it's it's not been a fun, fun weekend. We're not out of the woods yet. I'm probably going to be coughing my head off throughout this entire episode, but I, I need... I need to do something. I need to keep my brain moving. I need to do some kind of work, and this is the only work I can do from home right now. So we are back with a Monday, a late Monday edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. That's because my man SP3 was out late last night living his best life at the Hammerstein. Hammerstein? Hammerstein? Which one is it? I can never remember. Hammerstein. Hammerstein. Okay, so I had it right the first time. Always, always just hammer that home just go with your your best your first instinct uh living his best life at the hammerstein ballroom gcw on pay-per-view last night uh you were there enjoying that show while i was at home trying to enjoy josh allen and pat mahomes ball their asses off last night in the afc uh, divisional game uh, my Bengals have some uh some tough work to do uh this next weekend in the afc championship game that was like the only thing that made me smile all freaking weekend was the Bengals winning, and that was for about like eight minutes. Hey, but SP three, I, I rooted for your Bengals. <laughs> I, rooted, I rooted for your Bengals only because they were going against top guy JJ of True Hill Heats Titans, and I couldn't see him win and be on here. You know, you know what was funny is they did this whole hype package before the Bengals Titans game with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Like I, I didn't know they were Titans fans. I guess like they call. I guess Nashville is their like pseudo home. You know, yeah. now that they live over in the United States, so they were they did this huge, like tighten up, which is a, a dumb thing, and that's coming from me who says who day every every other minute. But they got this big tighten up video package going, and Sheamus is there doing the fella and his Titans jersey and this that and the other thing, and I'm just sitting there going, boys, I'm so sorry. It ain't gonna be your day today. I didn't think it was going to be that close. I underestimated the Titans' defense, but Evan McPherson, boot of steel and brass balls. Bengals moving on to the AFC title game, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about GCW. That is our lead story. Amazing what GCW has been able to do uh, over the last year or so, uh, just really elevating themselves. Uh, This is a company that uh, I didn't know a whole lot about, uh, until the last year or so, and they have really elevated themselves up to maybe even the top in that top three promotion discussion uh, at this point. But uh, SP3, you were there live last night. I didn't get, I saw bits and pieces of the pay per view. You were there. Your uh, your overall thoughts because uh, there were some uh, mixed reviews, especially with the finish that happened last night. Yeah, I mean, as a person who was there live, 
Um, if you couldn't tell by my voice, I had a good time. It was um, an authentic, uh, the authentic GCW type event. I went to my first GCW event back in 2019 when Nick Gage was still GCW uh, world champion. So I kind of got a feel of a GCW show from there. This was like more like a GCW kind of celebration. They were taking one big victory lap because an independent promotion just sold out Hammerstein Ballroom. Like, you know, Ring of Honor used to be there a lot. And, you know, that when they got bought by like Sinclair and stuff like that, they were able to sell out the Hammerstein Ballroom, but they were no longer an independent promotion because they were owned by a television company. GCW is purely independent owned. They are independent through and through. If you saw the video package that promoted this Hammerstein Ballroom event, these are guys that have been told by multiple different people in the business, outside of the business, that they were never going to be successful in professional wrestling. They are the outlaws of this industry. So to see them be able to sell out the Hammerstein Ballroom, to see the, you know, the electric atmosphere of the fans in New York City and, you know, a, a bunch of fans that I hadn't seen in a long time. So it was kind of like a reunion even for the fans in a lot of ways. A lot of people hadn't been to a lot of events since the global pandemic. So it was so many different elements there that just created a just a, a great atmosphere for the event. The event itself, I thought it was an authentic GCW event. In, in saying that, I mean that Sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes the the uh, the matches, the matches Gray, go 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 haywire. And I got that video. I got that video perfectly. When he's climbing the ladder, I was like, I was so scared because we had just seen uh someone else, uh, G Raver, climb the ladder, and the ladder was shaky, and he stood on top of the ladder and literally went off the side and did a back bump into the ring. AJ Gray, I, I think it was just those ladders were just very wobbly, and you weren't yeah. able to to have something to propel. Yeah, because I, I saw another I saw another angle of it. They had like two or three dudes holding the back end of that ladder down, and yeah. it still slipped out from underneath them. Yeah, scary so, spot. Scary spot. That that was, and that was just the opener, folks. Uh, if you if you want to see something that's more uh, that's just as chaotic and a little bit more prettier. If you're looking for a pretty wrestling, if you're looking for high spots, that the trios match, Team Bandito versus Team Gringo was crazy. Yeah, I've never seen a chicken fight in the middle of a wrestling match and a chicken fight that ends with a Canadian destroyer off the top person. That was crazy. I've never seen anything like that. That was probably my match of the night. Um, Janela and and Cardona was like, I had did acid and I went on an acid trip. Um, you had Chelsea Green with a fake heel turn, and Matt Cardona has has a, a steel cup on. We had Vince Man music leading to Vincent Virgil coming out and making an appearance. We had Hornswoggle under the ring. We had Marco Stunt Hornswoggle battle. We had we we had double dives through doors by Card by uh, Janella and Stunt. 
we had Brian Myers come out as Edge at One Night Sand 2006 and spear Joey Janela through a door and then pull up the 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 motorcycle helmet and you know it's it's Brian Myers huge pop by the fans Matt Cardona of course wins and then just when you thought okay the match is over the bell has rang we can calm down now no the King of Rock, Run DMC, DX name hits, and X-Pac comes down to the ring to make the final save for Joey Janela. Like, I- I'm sorry. Like, if there was any one match that shows you what GCW is about, just crazy action, crazy moment, guest appearances that you just didn't expect, just watch the Janela and Cardona match. That's that's the one match. It was such... It was such a weird experience on Twitter last night. Like I'm, I'm keeping track of what's going on in the pay per view because I know this is a this is a big deal. But I also wanted to watch the the AFC divisional round. So my Twitter feed is just full of oh my gods and holy you know what's and bleeps and this that and the other thing. And I'm sitting here having to double take which one they're talking about, whether or not they're talking about GCW or whether or not they're talking about Bills and uh, and Chiefs. Uh, because the final two minutes of that Chiefs game, they scored 25 points uh, combined between the two teams. So everybody's losing their day. It was an experience just sitting there being on Twitter last night. Uh, one of the things, hell, you, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Thunder Rosa's uh, surprise appearance at the event last night, uh, which I heard she got uh, quite the uh, quite the ovation. Um, John Moxley back wrestling again. Great to see. He had a great match uh, on Rampage uh, Friday night. Uh, and then he's back and he uh, successfully retains the GCW title this weekend uh, at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And then, most interestingly enough, there were some chants going on in that uh, that John Moxley match that, my goodness, uh, I saw that on Twitter and I just got this big old smile. And I'm like, thank you, because now I have a lead in for this topic of conversation, which is something I wanted to bring up on the show last week. Uh, and that is... Um, look, I, I like Bully Ray. I do. I respect what he's done for the business, and I respect that everybody has uh, a, a right uh, to an opinion. I've had bad takes before. You've had bad takes before, even though you probably won't admit to them. But my goodness, I don't know how anybody could watch John Moxley's passionate promo on Wednesday and then show up as an analyst on Thursday and crap on it and say, you know what? Nah, he owes us an apology. No, he don't. He don't. He don't owe anybody a damn apology. You take care of your damn self. You take care of your damn self, and when you feel like you're able to get back to work, you get back to work. Plain and simple. You don't owe anybody anything. You don't owe anybody anything. SP3. But Bully Ray, that was his opinion, and boy, did he get blasted for it. And then John Moxley shows up, including by Renee. Paquette, by the way, which is a regular guest on his show on SiriusXM. Wife of John Moxley, obviously. Everybody blasting him. I loved Paige's tweet where she said, this is why everybody likes Devon better. <laughs> and <laughs> Paige is great on Twitter when she's there. She's such a troll. I love it. But we get this matchup for the GCW title, and then the crowd just starts chanting F Bully Ray last night. And be honest with me, did you take part in those chants? Of course. Of course I did. Of course I. I probably led them, led the chins. Oh, 
Um, that that match was a, a lot of fun for me. Uh, Homicide being a New York guy against John Moxley, but yeah, definitely the highlight that everybody's gonna remember is those uh, F Bully Ray chants. One of my boys, uh, Roy, shout out to him. He's a big busted open radio guy, and he tried to uh, make sense of what Bully Ray said. He didn't say um for moxley should have apologized he said if it was him i was like no the exact quote is john owed the people an apology that's not saying if it was me i would have apologized that's different i think that people are very keen people just feel sometimes that wrestling fans are just complaining or or critiquing somebody and they have to come up with a defense for them so no matter what they exactly said they will try to make you feel that the person said what they interpreted as instead of the person who's mad who heard what the person actually said like that's what it came it came across and And, i just and part of me that happens a lot in wrestling and part of me thinks that you know this is bully ray doing the radio thing Mm-hmm. The radio thing of, okay, so I was actually perfectly fine with this, but now I have to come up with something to be mad about because I have to take the other side of this so we can have a discussion on something. And I got to come up with a take that I don't necessarily believe in, but I'm going to throw it out on the airwaves just for the sake of making good radio and getting heat, SP3. It is all about getting heat. And Bully Ray even responded to those uh, those chants last night at GCW. He said, quote, I knew my GCW faithful fans in New York City would never let me down, especially in my building. Music to my ears. Double exclamation point. So Bully Ray just loving the fact that he's getting that authentic heat from the crowd at GCW last night. That, I mean, take it for what it is. But I do want to focus here as we move in, into the five count here, the five biggest questions coming out of the weekend or for us the last week uh, of everything that we have missed. Number one this week, SP3, Bully Ray's take on John Moxley, the worst one since. Since like two weeks ago with Booker T's. Booker T's take on uh, Corey Graves. Corey Graves returning to the ring. Uh, firstly, he said he thinks that Corey Graves, uh, you know, there's no one that would believe Corey Graves could beat up anybody. And, you know, no one wants to see Corey Graves. Corey Graves is not a star. And in a lot of ways, a lot of people, you could say that, um, you know, some of the stuff he said is right. But also that you sound kind of jealous and you've always had this thing against Corey Graves. And then he doubled down to make it an even worse take. And say that, oh, his beef should start with Byron um, Saxton. And he had the audacity to say that Corey Graves is blacker than Byron Saxton. That right there, I don't mess with questioning someone's blackness. Like, they, they do this stuff a lot with Byron Saxton. And I went on a whole rant on True Hill Heat about it. You should not be taking away someone's blackness because they don't act a certain way. That is wrong, Booker T. And Booker T, the worst take since that take that you had was also you. Like Booker T, Booker T has paved the Booker T crawled in in worst takes. So Bully Ray could run, ladies and gentlemen. If any worst take, it's it's a it's a toss-up between Bully Ray and Booker T each and every week. Since the since the start of them being on radio and podcasts, it's been either or has had the worst take of the week. So take your toss up on which one you want to say. Oh man, that's a three-headed race there. Cause the the first one that popped into my mind is Jim Cornette. 
No, Cornette, Cornette, nah, that's what that's the that's the thing to me. Cornette is a shtick. This is this LA and and Cornette is a shtick and he's playing a character at this point, and he'll just keep going and going and going with it. But at this point, as of late, he's honestly been honest about some things. Said that he liked AEW, said that he liked CM Punk in AEW. So anything that Jim Cornette says, I think that we're all numb to it. It's kind of similar to our colleague over at Sports Kita Wrestling. Like Rick Vince Russo could say bro and say that his some of his, I won't say dumb, but unconventional ideas were great. He could say all of that, but it's been 30 years of dealing with Russo and Cornette. Are we do we really take any of their takes seriously? No, we don't. So I don't I think they should be in the question. I, I haven't. I haven't since he said this comment, and this is the one that I'm going to go back to for my answer on this question, is when he said that Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose should have been fired from WWE after the break-in at Sonya Deville's house because they were feuding at the time. They were not supposed to be they were not supposed to be friends. They were supposed to be bitter, mortal enemies, even though they ran a donut company together outside of WWE. And the fact that Mandy Rose was over at Sonya Deville's house and that Sonya Deville uh, had Mandy talk to the police and all this got out there and everything like that. And his his dire love for 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 kayfabe and, and keeping the business and the secrets and the, you know, the, the old guard and the old wave of things. And he said, look, I would have let the heat die down. Three months later, I would have fired him. That is that to me was when I was like, all right, well, I'm never listening to another word that Jim Cornette ever says again, because that is complete and total horse crap and and shtick or not, whether or not he if he's just doing that for for clicks and bells and whistles. And by the way, that one worked because that quote got everywhere on every damn pro wrestling site in the world. That was a horrendous, absolutely horrendous take. And by the way, Jim, I did an interview with Sonia literally three days before that incident and she kept up with kayfabe no matter how much i poked the bear she was sitting she she was adamant the fact that her and many rose are no longer friends at that point she did her best to keep up kayfabe so don't don't give me any of that crap that to me that was still the worst take in all of her wrestling that i've heard in eh, at least in the last few years I'm sorry that didn't that doesn't even make the Richter scale for me as far as Jim Cornette. When the man has shown that he could be racist, misogynist, and and just a carny, I'm sorry, him doing more, saying something more carny is not that bad. And how is that worse than Booker T saying that CM Punk's return promo was crap and that he should have named all the all the national landmarks in Chicago like The Rock would have done? He was like, if The Rock was in Miami, he would have been like, I drove down that lane and then I went to the, the Orange Bowl and then I came here. And you said that CM Punk should have done that. Guy. How was that worse? How, I don't it, understand, it's, it's I don't understand how, that, how that Cornette stuff that was from 2020 is worse than Booker T's takes in the last six months. I don't understand that. Um, I I, to me, to me, suggesting, hey, your alarm finally went off. Uh, yeah. To me, to me, suggesting that somebody should be fired for somebody for having a stalker and doing a whole and like going through a terrible ordeal, an actual home invasion, one that actually took Sony Deville out of action for for a long time. Again, whether that is shtick or not. But to be a victim of a home invasion and then suggest that it's somehow their fault and they need to be fired for it, 
that that to me is worse than criticizing a, a promo. Just my just my personal oh, opinion. He's a carny. He's a carny, he, ladies and gentlemen. A, but let, let's just say there is a sea of bad takes out there. But you're not going to get any right here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Well, maybe one. I'll, I'll throw one out there because we didn't get a chance to talk about this. I'll I'll, I'll throw a take out there. You're probably going to light my ass up for it. Gunther's not that bad. Just one, well, as one solo name, trying to rename him is totally pointless. Absolutely freaking pointless. And and trying to give him two names and it actually being like a Nazi general or something like that, something that's very easily Googleable before you put the trademark in, that was bad. But in a bubble, just calling a guy Gunther. It's not it's not not awful. Is it any worse than Walter? It's it's awful. It's awful when he's been Walter for three years on WWE television and you yes. gave him the name to a Nazi commander. You got caught when people Googled it and then you gave him the scraps. I don't know what's worse, honestly, ladies and gentlemen. I would have I would have done both names just to take advantage of the of the controversy, have people keep talking about it because it keeps the attention on the guy. But just name just giving him the scraps of your of your mess up i i think it's probably probably worse in, probably in, worse in a bubble me. in a bubble ignoring everything you just said gunther's not bad yes it is because but it, adding it, everything you just said it is terrible. ladies and gentlemen when you think about it and you realize that the last person that you saw named gunther on national tv was the simp from central park on friends i'm sorry Yes, it is pretty bad. <sighs> Moving on to number two. This one made some waves over the weekend. Uh, Leo Rush announcing on Twitter that as of mid-February, I believe, he is going to be a free agent. His contract with AEW is going to be up, which is surprising. Uh, he was just brought in a few months ago, so obviously signed a very short-term deal. Not unheard of. Uh, we we see people in sports all the time sign uh, short-term contracts. Very common in the NBA to do 10-day uh, deals, especially when they had the COVID outbreak. It seemed like everybody from the University of Cincinnati who had ever touched a basketball signed a 10-day contract with somebody. Um, but uh, we do have Leo Rush now who uh, says that he's going to be a free agent. He was at GCW last night. He's going to be at Terminus. He's all over the place. He does have a deal with New Japan Pro Wrestling, so he's still going to be out there. Uh, but this is on the heels of the big swole controversy. SP3, question number two of the five count here. What does Leo Rush's impending free agency say to you? It says to me that this entire big swole situation is the biggest misstep in the history of all elite wrestling because you have this whole situation where big swole you decide, you know, you come to a mutual agreement, uh, Big Swell, you want to let her go, let her contract expire. She has some feelings of what how she felt about her time at AEW. She said it in a very professional way, a very respectful way. She said the things that she did enjoy, and she thanked AEW and Tony Khan for everything that they did for her and her career and her family. But she addressed that there were some issues that they had to address, and constructive criticism did not go over well with Tony Khan and Tony Khan's tweet and just the repeatedness of him not being able to 
acknowledge or hold accountability for that tweet in like deleting it, referencing it in uh, any of the interviews that he's done. He's on Busted Open Radio every single week. No one seems to ask him about this type of stuff, but oh, I guarantee yeah. it's because he's he they're they're being told not to ask. Oh, of guarantee. course, of course, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, Leo Rush was the only man on the roster that came out and said something that told Tony Khan to apologize, that held Tony Khan accountable. So the fact that he is the one that, you know, he's off of TV ever since then, the whole Dante Martin Team Taz storyline has been messed up by his absence. He's been replaced by Jay Lethal, now Lee Moriarty. And then he makes the announcement on his social media that he's going to be a free agent. It just says to me that this is not a good look for the perception of AEW. One thing that AEW has been, you know, very consistent on is the fan reception. The fan has been, the fans have been for the majority, very positive towards AEW and Tony Khan and their decision-making. This is a bad decision. Uh, how it looks, it might be Leo Rush's decision because he's a guy that you could tell doesn't want to be locked down at the moment. He doesn't want to be in any one place for any long period of time because he was in WWE and that didn't end well for him. So I can totally understand if this is Leo Rush's decision, but the optics of it all looks very, very bad on AEW. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what this says. But I will say this much. What it it does say to me is there was a conversation. We know Leo Rush said that there was a conversation that was had between him and Tony Khan after Leo Rush came out in defense of, of, of Big Swole and everything that she had said and, and demanded, demanded on Twitter that Tony Khan apologize. There was a conversation between both parties. And what this says to me is that conversation didn't go too well. That's that's what that says to me, or at least well enough for for Leo Rush to want to continue on in AEW. Or maybe it was the conversation went great and then what followed did not, because as you said, Leo Rush has been absent from AEW TV since then. And then, you know, say what you want, but it's like, okay, well, yeah, we'll we'll just bring in Lee Moriarty. We'll bring in Jay Lethal. Nobody will know the difference. Nobody will be able to, you know, it's just we'll just rotate different guys in there and everything will be fine and everybody will forget about it. Don't forget. I'd like to see them bring in Leo rush over these next three weeks and actually finish out that storyline because it was one of the best ones that were, that was going on. I don't have any faith in that actually happening, Uh, but clearly there was some kind of disconnect there after that talk between uh, Leo rush and and Tony Khan. And I do think this is a loss for AEW, Um, but I think Leo rush is going to be just fine. He's going to be just fine. He's out there killing it, doing for all again all he's in three other different promotions right now uh including new japan he's gonna be just fine hey and he hasn't even been able to go to japan yet and i feel like him maybe being more full-time being able to travel to japan i know he has a family but uh new japan pro wrestling needs some super juniors it's hiromu takahashi and the goddamn pimps out there because it's Hiromu Takahashi and everybody else. And that's including the current junior heavyweight champion. And I love the guy, El Desperado. He's very talented, very skilled in the ring, a gifted performer. No one knows him. The only star in that division is Hiromu Takahashi. So you need another star. Leo Rush fits the bill. Is someone that can have exciting matches with a bunch of the talent, whether it be Robbie Eagles, Reisu Sekushi, out there in Japan. 
I want to see him make that move over there. And that might be the, the move for him because AEW kind of had him in a role where he wasn't going to be spotlighted on his own. It was kind of with Dante Martin in a tag team in a managerial role. So this is probably a better move for him. One thing that's been very commonly discussed over the next uh, over the last four months is whether or not it was a good move for WWE to rebrand NXT to NXT 2.0 and make wholesale changes uh, across the brand. And then a report comes out over this weekend that after these first four months, the WWE reportedly is disappointed internally with the performance of NXT 2.0. They have lost uh, anywhere from uh, 6.5% to 13.5% from the key demos to total viewers. And I'm not one for for ratings talk, especially when you start breaking down demos. I like looking at the the whole picture. Uh, That's a debate for another day, one that Sid and I have already had before on other platforms. Uh, Check it out. Very, very heated debate. Um, But if you look at everything from the grand scale, SP3, NXT 2.0, its first four months, we move to question number three here uh, in our five count. Should WWE be disappointed with the performance of NXT 2.0? Yes. Yes, they should. Because it's not a good show. It's not a good show, ladies and gentlemen. I know that WWE is disappointed in... You know, the fans, you know, watching the show there, they thought they would take to the newer stars a little bit quicker. Really, their disappointment comes from the response of the fans to what they're doing. Their disappointment should be on their output of what they're trying to do. It's not good. And when you have green performers, but you have a crop of talent that is really good, really skilled, like Cameron Grimes. Tommaso Ciampa, Pete Dunne, you have all these stars. I just wish in this first four months they would have used those guys to hide the weaknesses of some of these guys and make it make it a smooth transition where these guys can learn and try the things they're not that good on so they could try to get good on it. But you still have your Tommaso Ciampas, your Pete Dunne, your Johnny Gargano's, all these guys front and center. From the very beginning, these guys have been treated like every single win, like Tommaso Ciampa winning the championship. Tommaso Ciampa defending the championship once against Braun Breaker. It all felt like wins for Braun Breaker to eventually beat him and and take advantage of those wins. Nobody, none of these stars that are groomed, are polished. They are presenting in a way where they can be stars for now, but six, they have, you can see WWE has a six month a year plan for these other guys to get smoothed out, to get polished so they can be the stars in the future. There's better ways to go about rebranding and making it a developmental and giving green performers an opportunity to perform. And WWE just hasn't done it. So WWE is disappointed in the ratings. WWE should be disappointed in what they've been delivering every single Tuesday because that show sucks. And if it wasn't for all of you that watch Believe in Pro Wrestling, I would never watch that crap show live on a Tuesday. Not only should WWE not be disappointed with the performance of NXT 2.0, they should be ecstatic with the performance in the ratings of NXT 2.0 because there hasn't been 
a monumental drop-off. They're still averaging somewhere in the ballpark of over 600,000 viewers every Tuesday. Before they made the switch, they were in the upper 600,000s. So they already had a very small niche of the, the, the pro wrestling audience because only the passionate of the passionate pro wrestling fans were watching NXT in the first damn place. And the fact that they have made these sweeping wholesale changes brought in dozens of people that nobody knows with very little experience and are week in and week out putting on a bad show. I've said this before. I enjoy the work of individuals, but collectively, it's not a good show right now. The fact that they're still getting the ratings that they are getting, they should be ecstatic about that. The that fact that it has not completely and utterly plummeted to nothingness they're still getting decent numbers for what that show is and here's what wwe needs to needs to figure out they need to figure out what their damn priorities are do they want a show that is good that is going to get ratings on a tuesday night and that can be a viable third brand or do they want a developmental product because they should be focusing on the fact that they have a crop of young stars in NXT 2.0 that they can really groom and build up and can move up to the main roster. If they're worried about having a viable third brand, they had it two years ago, three years ago, at the peak of 2019 when the black and gold brand had stars and they literally put it over their babies, Vince's babies of Raw and SmackDown. They put it over Survivor Series, and then it has been a steep, slow death ever since you can't have it both ways or maybe you can't because triple h did it at one point where he had a successful developmental brand but even at their peak they weren't getting huge crazy numbers so what does wwe want out of this do they want to build and groom the crop of next fresh stars for the next generation or do they want a successful product that's what they have to figure out because you can't have your cake and eat it too you do realize that like ratings don't work like that like that's that was my biggest issue with everything you said everything there was a lot of things you said that i agree with but ratings don't work like that in four months ratings don't plummet the the signs say because uh i've had to do some research on ratings the signs say that the drops that they have are going to be worse in a year. So that's why WWE is disappointed because they just thought it was going to at least be steady. They thought that people would take to these these new these new stars and they would take to them and then eventually the rating would grow in the, especially in the 18 to 49 key demo. But how ratings work in 4 months, the drops that you said that's not what WWE wanted, and that's why they're disappointed. So they're not going to be happy at the fact that it didn't plummet because that's not how ratings work. <laughs> they know that the pl- this is the start of the plummet, so that's why they're disappointed, ladies and gentlemen, because in four months, even in a year, ratings are not going to plummet like that. If you have your core audience that have been there and they persisted, Especially as we see with Raw, it doesn't matter how bad the show is, they will keep watching. That's how the WWE Universe works, and that's also how ratings work. Four months, these drops is the start of a plummet, so that's why they are concerned. Yes, but if they also were focused on turning out a good show, 
there is a chance that the ratings would start to pick back up around this time as well, especially, you know, if you got your core audience talking to you, you know how audiences build up. My point is they're clearly not focused on putting on a good show. So why the hell are they disappointed in the fact that people are starting to turn away from the show that is not in itself good? They're focusing on building up their next crop of talent instead of putting on a good show. They can't, they got to figure out what their priorities are. They can't be disappointed that nobody's watching a crap show when they know they're turning out a crap show unless they think it's good, which honestly, is another problem. Honestly, I think you miss your your real answer. Your real answer is WWE shouldn't be disappointed in NXT 2.0. WWE should be disappointed in themselves. But still, WWE should be disappointed. <laughs> so I would. <laughs> One of the things I'm uh, disappointed in is the fact that there was the possibility that we would have saw uh, the inspiration show up at the Royal Rumble this coming Saturday. Uh, that is according to our good buddy, Sean Rossap at FightfulSelect.com. Uh, he had a report that came out, I believe, yesterday. I'm not entirely sure. The days are just bleeding together at this point. Uh, he says, uh, as it turns out, Mickey James, not the only impact wrestling talent the wwe reached out for a royal rumble appearance in addition to mickey james fightful learned that several other several other wrestlers that have been released since the pandemic started were contacted for the royal rumble that includes the inspiration formerly known as the iconics former wwe women's tag team champions they were offered a spot in the rumble match but fightful sources indicate they turned down that offer. Uh, Cassie Lee, uh, formerly known as Peyton Royce, and uh, Jess McKay, formerly known as Billy Kay. Now the Impact Knockout Tag Team Champions did not feel it was the right time to make a WWE return of any capacity because they are happy with their current plan. Uh, I do find this very interesting that several other formerly released stars, and there are plenty to choose from, were contacted for the Royal Rumble. Mickey James said yes. The inspiration said no. Who knows who else was contacted? Everybody's situation is different. So I'll have you put your, your hat on here, SP3. Let's pretend you were a WWE superstar and you were unjustly released during a pandemic, sent out into the world and said, figure things out on your own. And then several months later, they called you up and said, hey, pal. How would you feel about coming back uh, for the Royal Rumble? Number four, the five count. Would you return? Would you say yes? Would you show back up at the Royal Rumble? Me, myself, if I was recently released, I'm still in my 90 days. They're kind of still my my employer. So, yeah, I would I would return if I'm, like, recently released. I'm just reading the question, ladies and gentlemen, and that's how I'm asking it. But I totally understand where both mickey james and the inspiration is coming from mickey yes. james has been around for years and you know although that i feel that she's at the top of her game right now and that she could wrestle for a few more years we don't know how long she wants to wrestle for so this opportunity to be in the royal rumble match and not be currently contracted by wwe is a very rare act from the company they are desperate times calls for desperate measures Mickey James probably knows how desperate they are. So I totally understand. And not only that, and not only that, but the, the, the chance to make history there, to be yeah. the knockout women's champion and hopefully walk out to hardcore country. 
walk out as this Mickey James persona that we really haven't seen inside of WWE and holding the impact knockout championship at a WWE event. She realizes how big that is, how rare that is. And I understand with her saying yes to doing that. If they let her do that. I also understand why the inspiration said no. We literally have never seen another personality besides Mickey James as crazy person. And then the Mickey James that followed up the crazy person. Literally, in almost a 10-year run into the company, they only had her play two different characters. Yeah. They had her play crazy stalker fan and then Trish Stratus 2.0. That's the only things they have ever let Mickey James play. So, yes, it would be great. It would be making history. I think, like many fans, I'm in... I'm on the fence on if they're going to allow her to wear the knockouts championship. So the fact that you're saying, you know, she's making history and stuff. It, it's know. not really history. If WWE doesn't let her wear the title, yeah. honestly, to me, and she, if she comes out to, if she comes out to that, then no, we're, we're not yeah. making mystery. Here. We're not making history here. We are revisionist history and just being like, Mickey never changed from the time. And, and that's and, and that's the other thing. And that might be why, you know, the inspiration said no to this is because they, unlike Mickey James, are in the process of rebranding themselves, exactly. building, building themselves up as Cassie Lee and, and, and Jess McKay instead of the Iconics. They want to be known as the inspiration, and they are doing a damn good job of that. They're, they they have their podcast. Uh, they have the, the the photo shoots that they've been doing. They're one of those people that have just been everywhere since their release, and they're very successful so far uh, in their tenure in Impact Wrestling. So I understand why they would sit there and go, no, why on God's green earth would we go back and have the the and be the iconics for a night. We're not the iconics anymore. We're the inspiration. So maybe they couldn't get a guarantee on whether or not they would be allowed to be the inspiration, uh, and that might be part of the reason. So I completely understand their rationale as well. Um, for me, you know, I I think it would come down to a lot of different things. One, am I closer to a Mickey James situation or am I closer to an inspiration situation? But I'm looking at this and I'm going. This is still the Royal Rumble. This is still one of the biggest events that is going to be watched by a lot of damn people. This is still great exposure. Um, it, it, depending on how the booking goes, this is one more chance for me to shine in a WWE ring. Hell yeah, Vince. I'm not burning that bridge. I'll be right there. I'll do whatever the hell you need me to do. You want Omos to chuck me into the second row? Sounds good. Just make sure the check's in the mail and the signature's on it. I would absolutely 100%. I'm a whore for money. I would 100% be there unless they did something that was just so, so dirty and disrespectful. And, you know, Vince McMahon spit in my face that I'm, I'm, I am a huge don't burn bridges kind of guy. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe you go out there and you have a damn good performance at the Royal Rumble. And Vince goes, why the hell did we release that guy? Sign him back up. Sign him back up. There, there have been instances before where Vince lets people go and then doesn't remember why he let them go. That happened to Jimmy Wang Yang. Literally, Vince is like, hey, saw him backstage at a show one time. I was like, hey, pal, where, where you been? He's like, dude, I'm not under contract. And he's like, what? Seriously? And they had him do some some dark match stuff, and he ended up walking out with a contract like a week later. They, you never know what kind of opportunities this would bring. I would be there. Ladies and gentlemen, 
like I said, if I'm recently released, I'm on my 90 days, they're still my employer. I would come back. But if I'm out of my 90 days and I'm recently released, I am not working for this crazy person that Rick Uccino just described. That is like, that is, that is, that is signs. If you want signs that you're working for a crazy person, everything that Rick Uccino just described is working for a crazy person. Yeah. I'm not a crazy person that I want to return for, for one night because I can't trust him. Oh, crazy, but successful. And the, the thing is, man, it's like, look, I, I'm, I'm all for uh stability and i know that's not actually stability but if it works out where i get another contract at least for a little while longer i'm stable uh i'm getting those checks uh so yeah man you never know i would say yes mostly because it's always been my dream to compete in the royal rumble not gonna happen this year obviously uh fingers crossed for next year who knows maybe i'll get back on the the indie track maybe i'll get to a gcw show who knows um but yes i i i think unless something just unforgivable happened during my release. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I, I would be there. Uh, it is obviously Royal Rumble week. Uh, hoping to have boots on the ground uh, for Believe in Pro Wrestling this week, but still a lot of things up in the air uh, for myself uh, at this point. Um, uh, although my trip was fully paid for. So hopefully, for a lot of reasons, hopefully I'll be in St. Louis uh, this weekend. But this is going to be the first of many Royal Rumble specific topics for the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast this week. Uh, we've talked about ad nauseum, you know, the the men's Royal Rumble and whether enough and whether or not it has enough sizzle or whether or not it has enough, you know, anticipation built around it. We had that that forbidden door discussion for a while, but it seems a lot of those have been slammed shut. Doesn't look like anything too spectacular is going to happen. So expectations have been tempered recently, but we got to look at this match. In and of itself, we firmly both believe that Seth Rollins is walking away with the uh, the Universal Championship this Saturday. At least I I do. I'm 100% sold that Seth Rollins is winning. I think it's going to be Roman and Brock at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. So Seth Rollins will need an opponent, most likely going to be the Royal Rumble winner. So number five in the five count today, the first of many Royal Rumble questions, who should win? Not who do we think is going to win, but who should win the men's Royal Rumble match on Saturday, SP3. Big E. It should be Big E. It just should. That's how you give him some momentum back from losing the WWE Championship. You get your Seth Rollins Big E match that you should have delivered at day one. Um, you know, I think that all of this stuff is going to make sense. Really, the, they're using the Royal Rumble to make good on the things that they wanted to do at day one. At day one, Brock Lesnar was going to win a championship. It just wasn't the championship that he won. And WWE has just been shuffling and trying to kind of do stuff ever since then. Uh, Big E definitely was going to be uh, either in the WWE Championship matchup or, you know, losing the WWE Championship without getting pinned, I think, in that fatal four-way if he was going to lose it. So I think that Big E, they've told the story of he's lost his confidence since he lost the title. This is the way that he can regain his confidence. And when you look at the crop of talent currently announced for the Men's Royal Rumble, if it ain't Big E, God help us all. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the only other guy I can think of is AJ Styles. Um, no, that would, no, mean, he's the only other guy that I could think of that makes. Dude, that job out to Omos. How we? I understand that, man. I understand that, but I'm just saying, if I'm looking at 
If I'm looking at it just from a pure matchup standpoint, okay, yeah, sign me up for Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. But the only answer here is Big E. The only answer here is Big E because you owe that man a make good uh, for the way that things went down. And, you know, a few weeks ago I said, you know what? The solution to your problem is to just have Big E win the damn Royal Rumble and give him the Becky Lynch 2019 treatment. Make that man. Make that man the damn star that he should be, that he is, but he isn't quite yet because of your terrible-ass booking. Have that man beat Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for both championships at WrestleMania 38. That's the, that was what I said should have happened. That is not what is going to happen. He ain't going to get a win over Roman. He ain't going to get a win over Brock Lesnar. He should, and he should down the line, but him beating Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship, or excuse me, the Universal Championship at WrestleMania, getting his first win ever at WrestleMania and becoming a two-time world champion, that is a great way uh, to make good for what uh, was a, 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 a shortened WWE championship run that should not have ended when it ended. I am concerned that that is not the direction they are going to go now because, once again, uh, a, a Xavier Woods injury may change plans uh, surround, right around a, a title change. If you remember, Kofi Kingston was supposed to go on like this, this heel turn run kind of thing. That WWE championship run was going to, you know, send him spiraling down the, the power of positivity and the power of negativity. We saw him crush that pancake in his hand and we saw the subtle changes in his demeanor. And then all of a sudden Xavier Woods has the Achilles injury and they scrapped all that. And then they just never brought up the fact that Kofi Kingston was WWE champion, at least for like eight months. We saw Big E show was not on Raw this past week he was on smackdown in a tag team match against baron corbin and mad cat moss no, next week he was just in kofi's corner against mad cat moss right okay excuse me but again it's been it's been a whirlwind he was there right yeah. he was there and now they're going to be in a tag team match so this makes me just sit here and i'm going okay so are we really just going to take Big E? and insert him into king woods's spot right now and then are we just going to keep doing that for the next few months because Xavier Woods is out, or are, are, is this just going to be a one-off on Friday, and then Big E is going to win on Saturday, and we're going to get back on course here? I'm afraid that they may bump Big E down to the mid-card to help out with whatever their plans are for Mad Cat Moss and, and, and Baron Corbin, because that's WWE's logic way of thinking of going, oh, well, we can just put somebody else in Big E's spot at WrestleMania. I'm concerned. But the answer, 100%. It's Biggie. Biggie needs to win this damn match. Unless you are just strapping the rocket to Braun Breaker and he's going to show up and win it, or you're going to give it to Walter or Gunther. No, it's Biggie. Hands down, it's Biggie. And one final thought as we wrap up Can we please, for the love of God, SP3, stop making a big damn deal about The Undertaker being in attendance at the Royal Rumble? His wife is in the women's rumble match. No shit, Sherlock, that he's going to be in attendance to watch. Every site losing their damn minds that a husband is going to be there for his wife. He ain't going to be in the rumble match. He's not competing. We're not going to see a gong. We ain't going to see him on television. We might see him in the crowd, maybe. That's it. I wouldn't doubt that Vince is going to try to talk him into doing something. He ain't doing nothing. Maybe they, if they do anything, they'll announce him as the first 
entrant into the Hall of Fame, and that's it. This don't mean squat. Don't mean a damn thing. Now, I'd be wrong if after the Royal Rumble, and we didn't see The Undertaker, I'd be wrong to go to some of the people that made this a big deal and made me talk about it on another show. Like, yo, like, I literally had to sit there with the legend, with some legends of this industry, try to tell me that the Undertaker should come out with Michelle McCool in the Women's Royal Rumble match. Then a fan said, a fan said, "Oh, Michelle, Michelle wants a moment with her daughter in the Women's Royal Rumble to come out with her daughter, and that's why the Undertaker is going to be backstage because their daughter is going to be out in front of the camera, and he wants to be there for that moment." And then I had to hear that same wrestling legend say that the Undertaker should come out with the daughter and the wife in the woman's Royal Rumble match. I swear to God, yo, people hear the Undertaker name and go fucking stupid. I'm so I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to curse on this show, but I'm just, I'm very <laughs> heated about, yo, anytime fans hear the Undertaker, they just go stupid. They just go stupid. It's like you don't you don't remember he retired. You don't remember he's not supposed to be here. You don't remember that his wife is Michelle McCool. So obviously that's the reason he's gonna be there. Hey, hey, make big news what? out of nothing. Here, here's the th- I got it. I got it. He he's just gonna he's gonna go down to the ring and he's gonna clear it and he's gonna win the Royal Rumble match for Michelle McCool and she's gonna go on to WrestleMania. Same Heard it right here. It's the scoop. Same wrestling legend said, oh, what, but what if, he, if the lights go down, you hear the gong, and he comes out, and he's in the Royal Rumble? And I'm just like, is any of this supposed to get me excited? How old is he now? I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, the Undertaker, he's, he's, he's dead. He's dead. His yeah. career is dead. Why are we still talking about him? 56-year-old man. We're going to get Seth Rollins versus The Undertaker. WrestleMania, you heard it here. Taker, not only is he going to help Michelle McCool win the Women's Royal Rumble, he himself is going to come out of retirement. He's going to win the Men's Royal Rumble. He's going to go on to WrestleMania. Michelle McCool will beat Charlotte Flair. The Undertaker will beat Seth Rollins. And WrestleMania 38 in Texas, where The Undertaker is from, where he currently lives, they're going to close out the show with Taker holding up the WWE Championship and Michelle McCool holding up the SmackDown. No. No, it's not gonna happen. He's just there to watch his wife work. Everybody like shut why, the hell up. Like, why, why, why did I have to talk about this more than once, ladies and gentlemen? Why? Why? Oh, why? Hey, hey at least we're here to call out the stupidity. Yes. Like we're not yeah. here to in, in, in engage with the stupidity. We're just here to call out the stupidity. Now, we said all that, and he'll fucking be in the <laughs> I really didn't mean to curse, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to say that. It's just Undertaker brings that out of me. Undertaker, Cody Rhodes, there's certain subjects in the professional wrestling world that just get that type of fire from me. All right, guys. I don't know what the rest of the schedule is going to be like. Usually we're out 7 a.m. every Monday through Thursday. Uh, A lot of things up in the air. Uh, I'll keep uh, in contact with Sid. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, at Rick Uchino, at sp 3 uh, and we'll uh, we'll keep you abreast of what our schedule is going to be this week. But again, just a lot of things are are up in the air. Uh, we were able to to get up uh, early on a Monday morning. Some of us earlier than others. SP three. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you were at a show last night. I get it. But uh, <laughs> we were able to get up early this morning and and record this podcast for you. 
We'll see if we get some a uh, few more shows out. It's the Royal Rumble week. It's a big week. It's my favorite week in, in all of professional wrestling of the year. So I'm hoping to be able to provide some coverage for you here, guys. But we do appreciate you guys uh, either listening, uh, wherever podcasts are available, Apple, Spotify, uh, iHeart, uh, Radio app, or right here on our YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Turn your notifications on. And by the way, even though we may not be there as planned, we're still giving away that $50 gift card to the WWEshop.com. Uh, this weekend, probably going to give it out on Monday, uh, if I'm honest with you, when Raw is in Cincinnati, which hopefully I will uh, be at. So again, uh, if you are following both of us on Twitter, if you are subscribed to the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel, you're registered, you're entered. That's it. It's easy. Follow us both. Subscribe. You could get 50 bucks. Free cash money. We're giving away free damn money to WWE Shop. So please. Follow us along, and uh, we really appreciate you guys uh, tuning in for this episode. We'll see you when we see you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.